Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. My name is Pastor Matt, and I'm here with Pastor Jamal. Yo. Pastor Todd. Hello. And Pastor Bonnie. Hey, guys. I'm glad that you're here with Welcome us this back, week. Pastor, Pastor Bonnie. Bonnie. Thanks. She we're went getting, on hiatus for a couple of weeks. We're getting back to quote-unquote normal. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we're back back where we were recording in the beginning uh, with the podcast and stuff. So building B. Yeah. So it feels good. Um, here's the question, you know, with being 4th of July weekend, figured this is what people are talking about. Did you guys watch Hamilton? Disney Plus. Mm. Yep. Yes. No. Mm. <laughs> I did. Okay, so we got halfway through it last night. We're watching it in two pieces because it's like almost three hours long. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't know if I'm just getting old or if this is always the way I've been, but um, I relied heavily on my past knowledge like the little knowledge i have of american history to kind of put the pieces of the plot line together oh sure yeah and and i can groove to some of the music because like i mean his i can get into the music because it's so intricately composed and there's so much like his like lin-manuel's mind is just like crazy so i can get into that but as far as trying to follow I, I can't I can't I'm the sorry story, I, it's like it's I, I, moving. I'm like I told the kids like halfway through I'm like I, I can't understand half of what they're saying or like and I was wondering too, like, are they painting tension like it was like his wife's sister and stuff I'm like were they painting that oh was that real I guess he That's, wrote her yeah. I, I, I don't know that like, was a question we had to yeah, yeah so you know then obviously Rebecca and I have this thing after we watch a movie or whatever instantly break out Wikipedia start reading so I got like yeah. halfway through Alexander Hamilton last night on Wikipedia <laughs> So, just okay. did you find if it was true or not? I didn't get there yet, so oh, okay. I got to whatever some other stuff. Legend has it that their letters were flirtatious, but there was nothing explicit that would denote that they actually had any type of thing going on. Yeah, yeah okay. that's a, that's the legend. But, but then he did publish his actual affair. <laughs> that I is, gu- I guess, true. I guess same thing. That I didn't get is, there yet no, either, well, uh, I'm not. She's only halfway through, so let's. Oh, right. Yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> although, although, even if you did spoil it, I probably would forget and I, so, and not and or not understand. Like, so uh, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I just don't have any words. The, the message yesterday was about guilt and regret. Sorry. I hope you're feeling that way now. No, I'm just kidding. I was like learning about Alexander Hamilton in school, though. I felt like we were. Uh, learning about him but so i guess the point was like oh his as a founding father his story doesn't always get told yeah we know about the other guys but he's less known yeah. i guess was like kind of the point i didn't realize till like halfway through the first hour that the guy who walked in was actually george washington and joe's like yeah they announced it they did and i'm like oh i completely missed that yeah it was, it was <laughs> so epic oh man yeah, it, it was, was like ladies and gentlemen it was yeah, like a yeah, whole yeah. like thing yeah the king though He's my favorite yeah, character. He was great. That's that's what we were talking. Yeah, we were yeah, talking about yeah. that. I, I, you, he, he's got a couple. He's but, got a couple. But more. he's been in other things. He, I recognized him from. I don't know if he was in Glee or he's been in other oh, okay. major mm. things that I recognize him yeah. from. He's yeah, he's just amazing. He had his little song. Oh yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Actually, that sounded like that was from yeah. something. But. Yeah. I don't know. He's got a he's got a couple more. He's my favorite character, I think, the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, but it is the guy who plays Hamilton. He's the guy who like wrote the music and everything. Like he did all. From that. It's him and two other people that they basically yeah. wrote and choreographed to put it together. But it, Lin Manuel's brain is kind of like he's the mastermind. It really all right? started from there was a correspondent, not a correspondent center, but there was a dinner at the White House, and they reached out to him and said, "Hey, can you?" Do you have anything, you know, in regards to American history? And he he had, I think, been looking into, like, Hamilton and just, like, whatever. But it wasn't like he was thinking, oh, this could be this. Yeah, yeah. But he wrote something based on that. And it was him and the guy, I think, uh, the um, uh, musical director. And they wrote just a little thing, and he performed it at the White House. At the White House. And then when he got done, he was like, I think we can make a whole album like this. And oh, then it was okay, like... Okay. Then it kind of like yeah, blew up. Because that so. is really cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was pretty pretty dope. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we all were just looking at Pastor Todd for his thoughts. Yeah. And I'm, I'm completely lost, so any any interest in history, like 
just in general in your past? Um, it's not that I'm not interested in it. It's just I can't absorb all the facts yeah, and I remember them. So a lot of times I get lost to stuff and I'm like, wait, when did that happen? Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, I love like one of the things I loved about going to Valley Forge is I found an old movie that was filmed there. So I loved seeing the way the building was used when it was mm-hmm. in its prime. Like I love those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you are talking about dates and, and what happened when I just, I can't retain all that. Yeah. Well, speaking of that though, what I did find cool, what I was reading about Alexander Hamilton, the area of the country that we live like in New Jersey is just so cool. Cause the history here, not only like for today, Oh, we're close to New York. We're close to D.C. But all these events that took place, like Hamilton was at the Battle of Monmouth, which right. was right over here. Uh, he was at Valley Forge, which you know we went to school there. Like, so it's like, wow, th- this area is so rich with American history, revolutionary history, where other people maybe will watch this on Disney Plus and say, oh, okay. Um, but I-, I find that cool, just even where we live now, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, well, well, good. I was going to say, the one thing I do remember is that New Jersey is one of the original colonies that were here. You know, it was like early on. So, you know, we have had quite a bit of history or influence anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I noticed as a, you know, kid from the Midwest, I do notice that out here in the Northeast, people are very much proud of American history here. And so it's like like did you know this and if you've ever had an opportunity to have conversation with jim matthews he's a Mm -hmm. well of knowledge in terms of everything like and so he knows he's like oh these mountains and i'm like okay like it's kind of lost on me because i'm just like i said midwest out here i'm like oh it's cool like but i've noticed being out here in the northeast a lot of people are this is america's birthplace Ah," you know like (laughs) uh i don't know so it is interesting to see people's reaction to um, stuff like Hamilton or history within America uh, in the early days, especially here in the Northeast. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What I, we we were talking just about last night about like you know, how the constitution the Constitution came to be, and like all the laws of the land, and just and then just the fact of you know Fourth of July. You know, I think it was what our two hundred and seventy fifth birthday this year, two hundred seventy fourth. Something like that. Probably fourth. Yeah, 1776. Yeah, 274th. Yeah, Yeah. this year. So we were just, I was just saying, like, to think that, like, America, United States is only 200, you know, as a nation as we know it today, is only 274 years old and was started, you know, basically birthed in you know the bar like a bar with four guys you know, or, or whatever yeah. like you know i mean i mean i mean that's not the only piece of the puzzle but like and you know all these guys all these you know wealthy you know landowners and and you know kind of leaders of their areas kind of coming together to form a quote-unquote congress and basically just talk about all right guys like we're being overtaxed by by britain like how can we yeah and, and, and that's basically how it started like just these few feet people again we're and we're we're right where it happens like i get philly right um you have boston these like huge cities new york and then also uh a lot of them not all of them but a lot of them were younger also so it's like cool to think about that as well that mm-hmm. like maybe our age like in the podcast like a mix of obviously it's a mix of ages but like they weren't all um with white powdered wigs not all of them <laughs> maybe just for the photos or they didn't have photos paintings whatever you know what i'm trying to say yeah but i f- i think that's cool too that yeah. they all had a stake in it you know yeah so yeah, but uh crazy all right so yeah it's just fun some some fun fourth of july weekend like i just watched it last night so it's all fresh in my head mm-hmm. but um let's talk about the sermon for a little bit i loved the message i've been loving this series so far week two of you're not the boss of me. And so uh, the tagline is how to say no to the emotions that compete for control. And so th- last week, Pastor Jeff started by talking about how we all kind of monitor our behavior. And Jesus says to go deeper and to be monitoring our hearts. And the key verse kind of has been Matthew 15, 17 through 18. It's not just what you put into you. And he's talking about food. It's not what you eat or following rules. It's what comes out of you. It's how you treat someone else. Um, uh, that's what matters. And he read today, or this week, he read from Proverbs 4.23 to guard your heart because everything flows from it. And I just want to get your guys, I don't know, kind of maybe thoughts on that first. Have you found that to be true? 
or why maybe even another way this way why is it so important that we're talking about this series right now how to say no to the emotions that compete for control guard your heart everything flows from it why would you say it's important right now that we're talking about this as a church the stuff that happens in our heart really is like the motivation behind all we do Uh, And I think a lot of times in scripture, when you're checking out like sin and stuff, there's a lot of talk about the heart. I mean, even the way we think ultimately flows from the stuff rolling around in our heart. And so it influences the way we think and influences what we do. So um, I think if we want to grow and we want to mature in Christ, then one of the things we have to be able to do is bravely look into our hearts to see what's there and try to address that stuff and bring it before God and let him kind of work it out and even ask God to help us understand what's going on in our heart. Cause sometimes it's not so clear cut that it's like, uh, Oh, this good, that bad. Sometimes it's like really messy. <laughs> you know, yeah. So. yeah, I think, sorry, my mind is, um, I think the way you're framing the question, pastor Matt is, do you see the correlation between what we're talking about right now and what we're experiencing right now in our country? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the the way, yes, I, I think that, you know, it's basically um, Pastor Jeff is tackling the heart um, in regards to a lot of the things that, you know, are being said and or communicated, you know, in a lot of different ways, you know, through conversations, both public, private, um, you know, social media, whatever, you know, um, there's a lot of people who have a lot of things to say about the the things that are taking place. And ultimately, I think the goal is to check our hearts and say, well, listen, who's in control here? Is it, you know, is it your movement? Is it your emotions? Is it your, um, your opinions? Um, you know, are these things in control of your life or is it, um, the uh, the gospel and Jesus Christ. So, yes, I, you know, I see the importance in what he's talking about. Um, and there is truth. You know, we guard our we're supposed to guard our hearts um, because ultimately um, Jeremiah also says that it's deceitfully wicked. Who can discern it? Jeremiah 17. Three. Yeah. And so, you know. In us, you know, in us, there is this inherent nature of sin. Therefore, um, we need to check we need to check it at the door and continuously, continuously be checking it at the door and allowing Jesus to do a work of deliverance uh, from sin within us. Um, and that means taking a look at our emotions and seeing, you know, uh, whether or not they are in control, whether or not he is in control um, and what's our response accordingly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, go ahead, Pastor Todd. Now, I was just going to say along with those lines, though, like sometimes it's really easy for us to be looking at the big stuff going on in our heart. Like, like the the topics going on now, which we didn't outright say, you know, talking about racism, but it's not just about things like that. It's about how you treat other people who are wearing masks or who aren't wearing masks. Like a lot of that stuff flows from the heart too, and and our feelings of of what we should be entitled to or what other how others should. Um, I, I guess what I'm saying is even those smaller things that maybe don't seem like huge deals. Uh, does flow out of our heart. So uh, it's not just the big things, you know, that's going on now, but it's even just our our local small little interactions with Mm -hmm. people. Well, and going off that, even on Wednesday night for, I did the Wednesday Bible study this week on James and he was talking about wisdom. And one of the things that I came across was like, you know, to him, great faith is um, living out wisely in these small ways, in these everyday ways. And he's, talking about everyday examples, how our tongue gets us in trouble and different Mm -hmm. stuff. So we a lot of times think great faith means doing something great because I have such a huge amount of faith, but really it's about the everyday thing. So we Mm -hmm. may think I have so much faith. I don't need to wear a mask or I do need to wear or, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. But the truth is if, if I do have that level of faith, it's going to affect my regular decisions, Mm -hmm. like my, the smaller decisions that seem less significant. That's what, really great faith and wisdom is so just going off that yeah yeah and i I think it's really important that we understand that um i'm 
kind of losing my train of thought here, but it's not just like sometimes we think faith is about the big, big things. And I think that's kind of what's important right now. It's not always about the big button pusher topics, Yeah, you know, which we do have quite a few going on right now. You know what I mean? But, but really faith is something that plays out. Um, what's going on in our heart really just plays out in some of the little things like how we, how we approach things to people who think differently than us or have had different experiences or have different levels of, of confidence versus cautiousness or whatever and how we just view that. And I think all that stuff flows out from our heart. I think, um, how we deal with our kids right now with being locked up with them and our spouses <laughs> having been locked up with them for so long all that stuff flows out of what's going on in our hearts it's not necessarily the big just necessarily the big things they flow from the smaller things which you know trickle down to our heart or whatever yeah well i think there's so much that we can say um uh, and especially about this week um being about guilt and stuff so i'll start with the definition that he has and We'll see where the conversation goes. I have thoughts, but again, I think there's so many ways we can go. Um, but so Pastor Jeff started by defining guilt as the emotion associated with acknowledging we've done something wrong. Pastor Jamal, did you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I did. So I highlighted some stuff because I think that I think his definition is right in a spectrum because I believe there's also people who um, experience guilt based on what they believe they might have done something wrong. So um, it's not... I don't think it's always pigeonholed into um, the actuality of something. It could also be it could also be what's projected on you. So sometimes people take guilt and they associate it uh, with themselves because it's been projected on them or been manipulated on them uh, mm. by someone else. And so, okay. uh, I, and I I thought that was important to bring up because I think there are people who genuinely feel guilty about things, but they are things that other people have placed on them uh, and have been manipulated uh, to them, you know, and I, they don't need to hold on to that. So, I I mean, I just, I don't know. I feel like whoever's listening today, you know, if you're feeling guilty and there's no, um, you know, nothing warranted in that, like because someone else projected on you or said you did this, therefore you like, and you're harboring that man, uh, I believe there's freedom for you today because if it didn't, you know, if God hasn't, brought it before you it's not something the holy spirit's working on you with and it's something that someone else has placed mm-hmm. on you and you, know, you can let that go and find freedom so mm. yeah. yeah i feel like in one one of the services that was mentioned something but it was like it was after the definition then he went on to something else but then he said something about um false guilt, false guilt. yeah like if you're if oh, some, yes. yeah he's, he's mentioned yes. something about like false guilt like if something you you imagined like you imagine you did something wrong, like or you feel like you did something wrong, but it really wasn't. Yeah. Something, and I forget he used an example, and I know I don't. Remember I don't know if it was now. that part of the sermon, if it was at this section it or later. It might have been in a different part. Yeah. But he definitely brought that up, and he said at this part about like how so many Christians walk around <coughs> with this level of guilt, or yeah. how it can become debilitating. Yeah. Maybe because of something you did, or because of this false guilt or guilt someone else is placing on you. But so many of us can walk around um, right. and it can just defeat us. You know, I think I think that really for Christians, I think the f- that sense of guilt um, may a lot of times stem from where your faith is rooted. Like, is your faith rooted in in that works, you know, justify you or is your faith rooted in grace? You know, because if we really if we really come to terms with the fact of what grace is and what grace means i mean unmerited favor favor that we don't earn favor that we don't deserve um and then and then something that's given freely um you know but we still walk you know still walk around with this sense of guilt because we feel like we don't measure up or we feel like we can never be good enough and the truth is we can't or we or we have to make up for it too. Right. Like I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast or I, I think it was a young adults discussion that oh yeah I know God forgave me, but I still kind of have to make up for what I did though. And it's like w- it, it's actually it can be maybe really hard to just accept that like you've been forgiven and right. yeah and yeah you didn't deserve that forgiveness, but you also don't have to do anything in 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 a certain context. Obviously, we could talk about you know making things right, right between someone else, but. 
You know what I'm saying? Like that it's actually hard to live with the fact like I, I still have to make up for what I did. I still have to fix it. Right. We can feel inside. Or or, you know, in cases of habitual sin where you know, you repent and you ask forgiveness and, you know, receive salvation and then you know, I mean, we all know the, the those there's those people that every time there's a salvation call they're up there you know over and over and over again right. and it's and it's some a lot of times rooted in you know those people um tend to struggle with habitual sin and and again there's grace for that there's mercy for that but there's then there's also you know an inst- a case where you know there needs to be healing in in that person's life there needs to be restoration there needs to be um mediation and and you know um things to help them work through that so that those patterns can stop because the fact is we no matter what the sin no matter what the type no matter what the struggle like we cannot face it and defeat it on our own there's no way and maybe that's that's a huge part of the key is that we can't do it on our own and maybe that's when we can be defined by it i wanted to ask he said how you can be defined by it without knowing it. I want to say like, maybe how's that possible? Or like, how can you identify it then? But I feel like that's a possible thought regarding that. When I'm trying to fix it on my own, I'm now maybe allowing it to define me. Like what I need, I need God's power. I need God's help to, to break this guilt in my life, maybe to break this habitual sin. And so there's some weird line of like, okay, I'm, I'm continuing to sin. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, God has forgiven me, but at the same time, I can't continue this way, but I'm not going to be defined by this. <laughs> I feel like it's a weird line. Cause like, Oh, well I'm not defined by my sin. Well, if you keep doing it, man, like what are you doing it for? But then, then I can wear that guilt. I keep doing it. I keep doing it. This is just who I am. It's just who I am. Hey, God doesn't see you that way. It's like this. It's tough. Well, I don't know. Well, when you try to deal with it on your own, it's, it's you're basically isolating yourself i think when you don't reach out for help um but it but that can be again there's the shame involved there's the guilt involved there's yeah. the you know sense of like if i let this out and reach out for help there's going to be condemnation yes um yeah you know and and unfortunately many times as a christian community we don't I don't think we open up our hearts and our minds enough to accept those who may be struggling, who need the help that they need. Not to say that we approve of what they're doing or continue to do, but but there's even a lack of acceptance of them as a as a person, and there's more of a shunning and a and a you know sweeping yeah, to the side. Oh. Right, so maybe sometimes we can be actually more condemning because, well, and that can be damaging. Yeah. That be, yeah, that doesn't help. Yeah, I think, so you guys said a lot of things, so my brain kind of was like popping up, like doing a little bit of a jump around. But when we're talking about, Pastor Matt, you made a mention of, uh, I guess, a young adult's question. There's a a while like maybe actually some years ago i preached a message called performers and pretenders uh and it's just basically about you have people who pretend that they're better than they are and then you have people who feel they need to perform to reach a level of holiness and both of those are sin because ultimately ultimately you're failing to recognize that it is the work of god and it is only the work of god that brings about that brings about the bridge i guess if you want to say mm-hmm. uh, that bridges the gap between us and god so um that's really good uh, ultimately you know you get this idea sometimes you're like oh i have to do these things in order to earn but but you can't that's the weight is there so that you recognize god yeah. that's why it's there it's yeah. not so that you yeah, can pick yeah, yeah. up and then say now i gotta yes. do it's there so you can say oh man it really has to be a work of God. Yes. I really have to wor- rely on God. Yes. You know, and for the pretender, the weight is there so that you can actually recognize, wow, there is a massive gap between me and God. It's there Dude, for that, a reason. That so that you can say, way. shoot, I guess I have no other choice but to rest in Christ. Yes, that is it. 
that's literally the answer yeah so you know that that's the first thought in that regards mm-hmm. um and then you know in terms of i think pastor ronnie you were talking about habitual sin right mm. like i think what the what some of the issue sometimes is is we in the church community and the person maybe who is in habitual sin mm-hmm. the focus is oftentimes way too much i think on our sin as mm-hmm. opposed to our love for christ mm-hmm. and i think you know we'll probably circle around this at some point you know in one of the um messages of the series but ultimately it's your love for jesus that is that you know invokes your response you say mm-hmm. okay because i love jesus you know i'm going to choose this and i'm just being honest i think i was having a conversation with somebody one time and they were like oh man you know i keep doing this that and a third and um you know and i was like well there's a point where you have to ask yourself like who do who do i love more myself or the lord and like mm-hmm. well of course i love the lord well okay well your actions are showing that you actually love yourself mm-hmm. more yeah. like so like and that's that's part of the gospel or you know part of this narrative is that oh man my heart is really wicked like to the point where i will rationalize that yeah no i love the lord like but i also love this which ultimately shows that your heart is idolatrous so again Mm -hmm. you know we're back to this like this is where i this is just me personally i kind of am i'm kind of a fan of you know total depravity because in that mentality you understand the depths to which sin has affected you mm. and the depths to which sin has affected everything really but you come to the point and you say oh man like it really runs this deep yes it re- really runs that deep and there is only one thing deep enough to quell it and it's the blood of jesus christ yeah. and i i i love that because mm. i have no other choice again to but to rely on Christ, rest in him, rest on the power of the cross, rest in the fact that it was God from the beginning, God in the middle, and God in the end, ultimately. So that, in my mind, for the person who's struggling with habitual sin, is a release. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, whew, all right, so it's not really like a me thing. This is a, or in, in regards to like, I have to do, but like a, a me thing, and I have to trust more. Mm. Um, and so... I don't know. Those those are my thoughts in regards to those things. And I I might I think you said some other stuff, but I I can't think of mm-hmm. it. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. a couple of things from what you said are so good, Pastor Jamal. Um, I think maybe I'm, I'm trying to go back to where yeah, cause same thing. You had a couple of things. Um, like in uh, Christian circles, yeah, we're right. Maybe we don't emphasize our love for God enough, which is why you can feel so guilty and now paralyzed. And now there's something wrong with me, blah, blah, blah. Because you are experiencing, and, and we, yeah, we'll probably go here, like a level of conviction or whatever, but maybe because the motivation is is guilt. Well, that's just wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like so th- that's mm-hmm. not a good motivator. That's a negative motivator. I mm-hmm. always think of the line from Inception. And it's kind of funny. But uh, when they want to plant the idea, they want to mm-hmm. plant the dream in the guy's head, um, or they, they plant the idea through a dream, uh, Inception, and they were talking about what are the motivations? How can we get them to believe this? And they were like, well, what if we, uh, you know, destroy the relationship with the father there, blah, blah. He's like, no, no, no. I believe positive emotion trumps negative emotion every time. I remember he always said that. And so they end up repairing his relationship with the father to like birth this idea in him mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, but I always remember that line. And I'm like, yeah, I think as far as a motivator, guilt is is a bad motivator. So our love for God is a better motivator. And, and maybe that's something we can get better at. And then the other thing, again, from what you said, the performers versus pretenders, that's really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can think about where you fit in. Like when you said that, I was like, oh, okay, I would definitely lean tor- towards performer. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and then not only that, people who are pretenders, I think, really bother me. I think mm-hmm. I was like, which is sin right there. But I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you well, you just pretend that you and God are close. You're not. Mm-hmm. I hate you. And like, mm-hmm. no, that's not okay. What am I talking about here? Mm-hmm. I'm the one. I'm the one thinking that I have to earn it back and that's sin too. And now I'm judging my brother who is just responding differently to me, to their level of guilt mm-hmm. or sin or condemnation or that they feel mm-hmm. that, you know, is about God. So just a bunch of different thoughts from a lot mm. of stuff that you said. Mm. Well, <laughs> yeah. So again, there's, there's so much to say here and, and maybe this too, let's, let's go here. I loved what pastor Jeff said in his first point about, so he read from Romans eight, 
and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And again, e- even how significant it is who wrote those words, Paul, mm-hmm. who had more regret than all of us put together. That's how he worded that. Mm-hmm. And so then he talked about, so one, compare condemnation and conviction. And he kind of had a list on the screen that I thought was really, really good. And I don't know what thoughts you'd have on this, or I, I have a thought on it too, but condemnation, it deals with confessed sin. It utilizes guilt. It creates distance. It shows the problem, and it leads to shame. Mm-hmm. Where conviction and all these points are kind of counterpoints to all mm-hmm. those I just read. It deals with unconfessed sin. That's what conviction does. Mm-hmm. It utilizes godly sorrow. That that's what I actually just read that this morning, Second Corinthians seven ten. That that's the type of sorrow God wants us to have. Mm-hmm. That would lead to repentance, which is the last one. Uh, it creates closeness. It shows the answer. So. I don't know if you had thoughts on that con- condemnation versus conviction or, or I, I guess I had a question basically like um, he said, you know, when the Lord forgives, he never brings it up again. That's the enemy that does that. Mm-hmm. But I was also wondering, like, do you think that maybe part of recognizing the difference between condemnation is con- and conviction is like what we do with our guilt? Like if guilt is kind of the emotion, like he said, he defined earlier when I've done something wrong, now I feel guilty or some it's been brought to my attention. Okay. I feel guilty. Maybe that actually can be God's conviction or a, a brother in Christ tells me, hey, you know, I'm noticing this in your life, whatever. That's conviction. But now I can actually create, I can make it into condemnation now. And now I'm paralyzed. Now I'm guilty. Now I'm not growing. Now I'm further from God. And it's my own response to guilt. Uh, I don't know what you think about any of those things. I, well, I think <coughs> condemnation is basically what we what we ourselves do with the wrong in our lives and i think conviction is allowing god to do what he will with the wrong in our lives Con- condemnation is what we put on ourselves conviction is what god puts upon us to try to correct us so condemnation is our own is our own correction and and uh, like i said before when we try to do it ourselves every single time we fail and 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 not only do we fail but it creates more problems it isolates us um, you know, it, it opens the door for the enemy to just, you know, feed our minds and our hearts with, you know, the negative evils and the, and the, you know, the things he wants to feed us with to bring us down more because of that wrongdoing. Um, condemnation is our own actions towards ourselves and towards other people. Yeah. Conviction is God's actions towards us, either through others or through the Holy Spirit. And and God's actions towards our wrongdoing are always in the vein of healing and restoring. You know, our actions and the enemy's actions towards wrongdoing is always in the vein of bringing down and failing. Yeah. And yeah. So that would good. be the difference in my mind. Yeah. And God wants to restore us. He's bringing that. And I think of examples you guys have given with kids in the past like i mean if your kid does something wrong you want them to recognize it like oh it's not wrong no you want them to know it's that you can't do this but then if they're sitting there now they're in kind of oh i'm the worst dad you hate me you hate Mm. me i should just leave i should like no i i just want you to get better like don't do that again don't you know punch your sister like you shouldn't be doing that like then that's what it is it's just what it's that restoration that God yeah. wants in our life. Yeah, and doesn't David talk about like the discipline of God, like how isn't doesn't don't the Psalms mention about like God's discipline, like how He disciplines those uh, he loves. Yeah, like he disciplines those he loves and how and I don't know, just like like how God's discipline is just so I can't think of the verse off my head, but but in my mind I'm seeing this I see the framework of like the general overall theme of you know how God's discipline is good and it's beneficial for us and it's it's not a negative thing and so many times in our minds we see discipline as such a negative thing because of of things we've experienced in our past of you know things we've seen you know um, and witnessed and really the goal of discipline should be something of a positive outcome of of making better of correcting and bringing you know bringing about restoration and bringing about a betterness in somebody well I I don't know if this is the one you're talking about, but this made me think of this Psalm 32. Um, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Um, how blessed is man who, to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there's no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, mm-hmm. my body wasted away. Mm-hmm. There was groaning all day long. Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained. 
I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Mm-hmm. And then he, he goes on. But mm-hmm. I always feel like it's a really powerful psalm. Yeah, I think, Pastor Bonnie, uh, you hit it on the head. You know, it's and uh, Pastor Jeff did mention this in his message about what's restorative. You know, like mm-hmm. if you're the restorative, n- the nature of God is restorative. Mm-hmm. He wants to restore, make right. Um, and, you know, condemnation definitely <clears throat> is that's not that's not the goal with condemnation. The goal with condemnation is um, to put one person down to make the other person you know feel better um you know in this case it could be person to person it could be the enemy you know um because he already stands condemned come on somebody Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but he already stands condemned so therefore you know bringing condemnation on you is an attempt to 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 make himself feel better about his already his his state that that is already the state that he's already in Mm -hmm. uh and that is condemnation so um and then obviously God is restorative. He's coming or his right. His goal is to restore. We see this with, you know, the prodigal. Um, this is his heart towards us to see us be brought back into relationship with mm-hmm. him. And I think if you're sitting around. Let's say the let's say these words keep tumbling, you know, around in your mind and in your heart. Um, and they weigh on you if they're weighing on you, uh, and they are not restorative whatsoever. Mm. Nine times out of 10 and 10 times out of 10, I'm, I'm going to do it mm-hmm. 10 times out of 10. It's oh, the wow. enemy. Right. Um, mm. but if they're tumbling around in your, in your heart and in your mind and you hear the Holy spirit whisper to you about, the way he sees you in Christ, you might be on the right track in regards to conviction and saying, yeah, I dropped the ball here. You know, um, I, you know, didn't make the right decision here. Didn't Mm -hmm. use the right words here. Um, but in the midst of it, there's this tone or maybe this Mm -hmm. invitation, uh, to be restored and to be renewed, uh, you know, I'm thinking about Romans where it says God uses, you know, um, works all things together for the good of those mm-hmm. who love him and called according to his purpose. I, I've said this before, but mm-hmm. to the students, I try to champion this idea that everything is not bubbles and ponies, but God <laughs> can redeem all things, you mm-hmm. know. So you made some poor decisions, but God can redeem it. He could restore. It. He could take that and use it uh, for something greater. So, yeah. I was going to say just in my own life, whenever I feel like the way I know difference between conviction and condemnation is, you know, if there's something that I know God wants to change, they're always it's always rooted in scripture, like always a scripture comes to mind or always a scripture keeps coming back in my face, you know, through this channel or that channel. Like it's always it's always, you know, rooted in that versus you know, condemnation where it's rooted in self like, oh, you're you're always this or you're so that or whatever in my mind. And I'm like, yeah, that's. Maybe maybe it's something I need to work on, but then I always just, you know, search the scriptures to to find, you know, God's word to me through that. Um, And if it's not something that lines up with his word and it's not something that, you know, he's bringing in front of my face through his word or through, you know, other reliable people, then, you know, I kind of throw it out as this is the enemy trying to. That's good. Condemn. Yeah, bring it to scripture and, and Romans eight twenty eight. That's one of my favorite verses mm-hmm. that you know, God can use all things. So, um, but you know, maybe kind of going off that too. I just had a thought, and you know, whatever you guys think about it, um, you know, in the second point, he said that we need to comprehend what Jesus has done for us. You know, our our view of the past changes when we view it from the cross. Again, so so good. He had so many different uh, things he was saying, um, and he said. You know, God chooses to love and listen to you as if what took place in the past never happened. I'm just exploring a thought I had. Like, could could you feel like that's a little weak or soft, though? Like, God, like, like it never happened. Like, he forgot. Like, mm-hmm. or, you know, you know, in the Bible, there's that verse, too. But see a forgetfulness, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm totally, why I'm having this thought. But I just was, like, thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know. Like, if you, if you're in a spouse, you wronged a spouse, like, do you? 
you like forget it happened. You forgave and then and you literally forgot or love or keeps no records of wrong. Exactly I, what I, I was know. thinking. So, yeah. So okay. Okay. That's no. Exactly good. Exactly no. what I was thinking. Oh, I'm glad you brought it up. No. No. Good. good. No. 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 That's. I mean. That's. It's. That's what it is. Like I am a. Okay. Phyllis. Phyllis Fletcher. Don't come for me. Um, <laughs> in our relationship, in my wife and I's relationship, I am a record keeper. In fact. Yeah. <laughs> I. In fact. I think this is before you came, right before you came, I preached a message called uh, the problem with keeping score. Mm -hmm. And it was basically about how I keep score. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm the type of dude, like, this is what I do. I keep score, man. I'm like, nah, you wronged me. I got it. I got it on a tally board, you know, in the back of my mind. I am a scorekeeper. My wife is not. And I am also like prone to debate. So mm -hmm. it makes for tense conversation. <laughs> in the sense where I'm always I have I'm like boom 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 I can rattle it off. She's more she can she can just shut down and get quiet. And sometimes I get mad because I'm like, no, you gotta we're talking about this. You gotta talk about And then like some days will go by and it'll be like she'll just be like it never happened, like we didn't have the conversation. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like a jerk. <laughs> so yeah, then I'm yeah, like yeah. man, like and then I'll say you know, you know, I'm sorry that, you know, this and the third and she'll say, OK, mm -hmm. like and which, you know, could in when it comes to the female species, that word OK is very deadly word. Right. Mm -hmm. That can can go one or two ways. But mm -hmm. careful, <laughs> careful. Yes. Be very careful. But it's a deadly word. Right. So but she'll say, OK. And then maybe some days later, she'll come back and she'll say, you know, this was really like. This really hurt my feelings like or or mm -hmm. she'll say, you know, I didn't really appreciate that. And like I said, I'll feel like a jerk. And it, for me, right, this is just my personal opinion. It, I see the love of the father when she treats me like that. Mm. Yeah. When she does not respond to me according to what I deserve. Yeah. Like that's when I'm like, dang, man, mm. this mm. marriage thing is a trip. Like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> it's really trying to teach me some things, you know? And I'm like, Man, and so, and I'm just being honest. It it compels me to want to love her even more. Like, yeah. mm. like why would she do that? Like, mm. I deserve full on retort, like yeah. full on like yeah, yeah, yeah. rebuttal, and you know, but she just doesn't. Like, she just loves me through. It. And then it's like, dang, like I gotta get my act together. So then yeah. next thing you know. Mm. I got the dishes cleaned. I got the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Things yeah. vacuumed, you know, got the kids. I, babe, I got dinner. And she'll just be like, oh, interesting. Like, <laughs> but I, but it is, it does. It just kind of comes out because I'm like, ah, oh, man, I really, I yeah. messed this up. You know what I mean? Like, and, but I see the love and I'm like, dude, I need to, I want to, you know, I yeah. want to be better for her. So yeah. I don't mm. know. That's just my experience. Mm. We no. need. We need to talk more. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really good. And, and, and thanks for using that as a, a personal example. Like Dude, I was just being honest, man. It's, yeah. the, it's the real, bro. It's I mean, shout real. out to Phyllis. Yo, shout out, like the love out. of God. And, you know, <laughs> so Actually, awesome. Phyllis and I need to talk more. Because <laughs> it sounds like she deals with things a little with a little more grace. Than <laughs> but, uh, but our households operate very much the same. <laughs> yeah, no, she, yeah, she's, uh, no, I think part of it is uh, her being, she's the middle of seven. So I think she's learned a lot over years over the years with her relationship with her brothers and sisters of when to speak when to not when to let things go move on like she's she's i mean she's kind of got a little bit of a cheat code she had seven different personalities to kind of like grow from and yeah. say okay no all right okay and and be kind of like built for uh, built for that type of kind of like stuff. Yeah. She's right. good. I but now now that's not to say I don't want it to be taken as if like she's some type of like pushover. She's not. Like there's been times where she's been like, uh, no, and uh, like immediately, mm -hmm. and I've been like, whoa, like. So it's in her. Like I'll say it like this, it's in there. Like she can. A couple yeah. times she hit me, and I was like, I didn't hurt my feelings. Like you know, like I was like yeah, yeah. kind of feeling a little sensitive. You know, I was like, hold up, you know what I'm saying? Don't talk to me like that. You know, like. <laughs> But she was just straight up like being honest, like, no, this is the way you want to go about it. This is you can have it like this, too. Um, and that cut it cut. I was like, dude, well, that's crazy. 
uh, same thing on the Wednesday night study. We talked about I came across the word meekness, mm-hmm. and a cool definition I saw was meekness is power under control. Yes, and we don't think meek sounds rhymes with weak, so you kind of think, oh, you're meek, you're shy, you're weak, you whatever. No, it's power under control. Correct. So yeah, with and that even in that example, it's she she has every right to every ability to respond this way, treat this way, but I won't because of love because of forgiveness and there's a principle i believe when it comes to meekness that i've observed in, observed in life and that is people who are able to exert power under control are given more power mm. meekness gives way for authority and people trust people who can distribute power correctly can wow. wield it correctly yeah. i've just seen that in life so it makes sense to me that like you know at least in my household you know I'm, i i will i have no problem sometimes just deferring to her being like babe what do you think about this you know like because she just knows she just knows yeah. and she and she'll be like but she doesn't like the upfront. she likes the background so she'll mm-hmm. immediately just be like here's my thoughts and then she'll just be kind of like you can you can take it from here yeah. and then i come with these amazing ideas and people are like wow that's so great i'm like oh it's my wife's idea you know like <laughs> like you like that's just who she is so yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth let her inherit it then yeah. come on <laughs> so i don't want to throw a monkey wrench but i i just things to keep in mind because Sometimes the way that we talk about forgiveness and stuff means like, well, we should forgive and that we should never even think about that stuff again. Mm. I think the reality as human beings, though, is that we don't forget. Yeah. And that is not necessarily wrong uh, because you can forgive and yet not forget. And uh, I think it's also important for us to understand that sometimes like who I am today involves what I've done good and the things that I've done that have required forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so to dismiss part of who I am and how I got here feels diminishing as well. Mm. Yeah. And so I, I think it's important that we just not act like what well, those things don't matter. They do matter. The thing is, is that are you, they are part of who I am. But that doesn't necessarily mean I have to live in condemnation over them. But if I act as though those things aren't part of who I am, number one, it sets me up for future failure. Mm. Mm. And number two, it sets me up for possibly sinning against others. Uh, So uh, I I think I don't want to dismiss... I don't want to dismiss God's forgiveness. You know, that's not what I'm trying to do. And and I don't think you should live with... um, Constantly reminding people mm-hmm. <laughs> of those things. I can't keep score. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But on the other hand, um, um, part of accountability is acknowledging this is the fullness of of the reality of the situations we mm-hmm. live in, and and I, I guess part of why I want to bring that up is because I think sometimes that's what abusers use as mm-hmm. an excuse to keep mm-hmm. abusing. Mm-hmm. Is like you just gotta forgive me. You gotta let that uh, go. No, you know. So. Right. And, and to be honest, sometimes we as people got are, are kind of like, you got to forgive me because I don't want to deal with my own sin, too. Yeah. So yes. so I'm just trying to bring the 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 balance to, to the it force. just so it's not like it doesn't get used in a way that it was never intended to be used. You know, yeah. the idea of forgiveness. Yeah. I, I think and I think what we need to realize, too, a lot of times is forgiveness really is about us more than it is about the other person. You know, forgiveness is really about about us not allowing the root of bitterness to grow towards another because the root of bitterness is just damaging to ourselves. It doesn't damage another person. Well, and that's what I was thinking too, with even say the phrase forgive and forget, that's probably good in the sense of like, right, I shouldn't count this against them. But it's also important, like you said, we may n- it's important to not forget. And it, again, it's all kind of it depends on context, I guess. But, right. but the trouble with kind of remembering is you, uh, this is what I was thinking based off of that is you may have to forgive again then. Yes. Like, well, I don't for I, I haven't forgotten what they did, but has it begun to turn to bitterness again? You may have to go through a process of forgiveness again because you're you're still hanging on to it even though you did forgive. Right. Before. And, and and forgive and not necessarily forget, but forgive and learn. Mm. You know, forgive and learn and and know know what relationships need 
certain boundaries, certain parameters, you know, certain things in place, um, not to just open yourself up to that hurt again. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you open yourself up to whosoever and allow yourself to be a doormat. Forgiveness means is more of yourself letting go of the hurt, letting go of the pain, allowing the Holy Spirit to heal you and restore you from that and learning from that to move forward in your relationships and, you know, with one another. I think of uh, there's a proverb that says that as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to its folly. And so, yeah, yeah again, kind of like how in your words, Pastor Todd, about making forgiveness into something it wasn't supposed to be justification right. or not learning and growing. I'm going to keep doing the same thing or I just got to keep forgiving or I'm or not even, learning. I'm returning to my folly and being like a dog or even uh, uh, as a way to not deal with what is happening. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that forgiveness isn't important again. I like, I'm not, I'm not, I just want to make sure it's clear. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you should hold that's on to time. stuff because <laughs> when you hold on to stuff like that doesn't do anybody good too. And then it, it, it does kind of discount what God has done for us when we, don't allow the possibility of God doing similar for others, you know? Um, it's, it's kind of a tricky balance. I I like what you said that forgiveness, you know, is something that we have to go through a lot of times. I, I, I think the one and done thing when it comes to forgiveness, oftentimes it's like another way to not have to deal with stuff. (laughs) Like I'm just going to, I'm I forgave it. So I don't even have to feel this or uh, we don't have to talk about it again. We don't have to acknowledge it because it's painful for me or whatever. Yeah. You know, so um, I and I think context does matter. Yeah. Yeah. Because forgiving a person of something over here and then saying, OK, it's done and over with. We don't need to talk about it again is maybe different than on the other hand, a habitual sin. Whereas sure. that forgiveness does need to be talked about until it's kind of dealt with and worked out. So it's mm-hmm. it, it's context is important. Mm-hmm. And would you say to like. I put this in there, but like maybe there's a difference too between condemnation and consequences. So like I'm not defined. That's what he says. That's what Pastor Jeff said. You can, I'm guilty, but I'm not condemned. And so I can feel that level of guilt. I can experience God's forgiveness or forgiveness with another individual, Mm -hmm. my spouse. Hey, I was wrong. I'm sorry, whatever. But maybe there are so consequences and that doesn't mean condemnation from God. God's getting, uh, when one discussion we had in young adults, it was like, well, I know God forgives me, but then I think he kind of gets me back though later on. And I'm like, I don't know if that's, that's not how it works. I, I don't, that, yeah, as I said, it's not how it works. That's yeah. the opposite. But maybe there are such a thing as conse- consequences, consequences yeah, yeah. Yeah. that yeah, I will absolutely. live with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're a person who, um, I mean, the com- thing that comes to mind, because I think it's such an obvious thing, but if you're a person who abuses others, whether it be physically or some other way, there needs to be consequences <laughs> for what you've done. And that doesn't mean that the abuser can't be forgiven, but the abuser should never be put in a position where they have the ability to abuse again yeah. <laughs> until they have shown, and depending on the kind of abuse, you know, but until they've shown that there has been a process of transformation of heart and and that they can earn trust again. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that goes for other things, too. Like um, for people who struggle with different sins, uh, you forgive, but maybe maybe there's like lines that have to be drawn. You know, Scripture talks about uh, kind of like radical amputation of sin. You right. know what I mean? That yeah. like if, if your hand offends you, maybe part of the consequence of a particular sin is you have to find a way that... Uh, I mean, not to cut off your hand, but but mm-hmm. <laughs> a little less gory, but mm-hmm. but a way that maybe a consequence is you can't be in that kind of a situation again, Correct. or maybe you can't have access to those materials Correct. again. You know, so um, so uh, well. And again, shout out to the the book that we're reading as a staff this past last Tuesday about the whole. This is maybe a slightly different conversation, but maybe think of this that it takes more strength to. Uh, not simply resist temptation, but to just, but to go somewhere where to avoid it, to, to mm-hmm. avoid it. Sorry, yeah. to avoid it. Yeah. It's more yeah. strength to avoid temptation than it is to resist it. And so I know that's a little bit of a different topic, but kind of from what you're saying, part of the, con- okay, I'm forgiven. I can have change, but now I need to things begin to avoid. Things, things have, have to change. change. Yeah. yeah. Things have to change. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, balance <laughs> within that, you can't live within shame over that either yeah because shame says 
okay, I've done these things. I struggled in this right. way. This is who I am. Right. Um, maybe I had to change, rearrange my life a little bit here to accommodate me not <laughs> continuing in sin. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, those things are good, and that doesn't mean that there's something broken or foul about me yeah. that disqualifies me for grace, disqualifies me from the love of God, disqualifies me from others. You know, you, you know like it, it's, it's, it's a hard balance because mm-hmm. consequences, yeah, and consequences don't feel good and they're hard. Um, but shame isn't the answer either because shame tends to keep you stuck, mm-hmm. you know. And so I was going to ask this, and maybe this is how we can begin to wrap up. That's really great what you bring up, Pastor Todd. And so at the end, his last point is commit, live according to the Spirit, Romans 8, 4. My past will remind me, it will not define me. Uh, but I was thinking this, you know, what if, okay, yeah, so I shouldn't live in shame, but what if others are shaming me? What if others mm. are trying to define me by my past or by my guilt? Okay, so I'm trying to not be defined by it. I'm trying to experience God's forgiveness, but maybe deal with the consequences or learn from it. I'm, I'm trying my best here, but dude, my family just keeps putting it on me or this person keeps making me feel this way. Mm-hmm. What do you do? How, how do you deal with that? Guilt, you're not the boss of me, but they're trying to make it the boss of me. You know? I, th- I think the key word there is I'm trying. Mm-hmm. You know, my family is, or these people are saying, what defines you? And who rules you, yeah. you know, or what other people saying, you know, def- are you allowing what other people are saying to define you or, and, and it may all be well and good. You know, they may be seeing, you know, patterns in you still that n- do need to shift and do need to change. And maybe there is more work that God requires of you to move towards a further restoration. Like, so, so maybe sure. sometimes their words may be true and but again you need to bring it before the throne of god and before his holy spirit before his word first what defines you this you know who you are in christ as a new creation you know what work is god trying to do in your life follow that and be faithful to that and be obedient to that and by the power of the Holy Spirit, walk in those things and not like, well, I'm trying to, you know, do this and do that. And I'm trying to follow the right way. And I'm trying to no, God is work. I'm a, I'm a, I'm surrendered to allow God to work through me to follow the steps that he's leading me and guiding me to do. And I'm doing my best to follow in his way. Um, and pray through the negative voices that might be mm-hmm. trying to deter you. And um, because of course, anytime we turn towards the right path, towards the narrow path, towards, towards the path that God wants us to follow. Anytime we proceed to walk in that way, there is going to be tons and tons of obstacles, hindrances, things that try to pull us away. Yeah. yeah. It's just, and just to even to take that a little bit further, the idea of why are we changing? Yeah. Am I changing to uh, scripture kind of talks about the fear of man, like where we do things before the eyes of people right? because of how badly we want their approval. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I guess I bring that up because what happens if you start to change, like I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with my guilt and I'm trying to make these changes because I, I don't want my wife to leave me. And then your wife leaves you anyway. Then is it like, okay, well, then I can do whatever now. Right. Like, so mm-hmm. we can't always do things for people. Yeah. Uh, not that we blow off the importance of how our actions affect people. Yes. But we're living before the eyes of God first. Yes. And so I deal with my sin. I deal with my guilt. I deal with my shame, my whatever, because I'm living for God and I'm trying to honor him. And, and so if other people don't always get that or if they're holding me, whatever, well, okay, you know. I'm doing this because I'm living for God and what he says I am and how he defines me, which is what Pastor Bonnie was talking about. And and what he says is true in scripture um, is is really the thing that I have to hold on to and not necessarily what people hold on to about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think when when you bring this up, it to me sounds like an identity issue mm. because 
what's happening. This is my thought. I'm just because I let me back up. My immediate thought is family, man. That's the toughest one. Those yeah. are the toughest ones to yes. kind of like push back <laughs> against and, and fight against because in their eyes, you're always going to be this. I had literally have a cousin who I just saw at Christmas and her first th- the first thing she said to me was, hey, what's going on, Donatello? Now, listen, when I was a kid. Well, and even still now, the turtles were my jam, right? (laughs) And Donatello was my guy. But she can't get out of her brain, eight-year-old Jamal jumping off of the top of his step saying, I love being a turtle, because at that time, you know, (laughs) Ninja Turtles was the hot thing, you know what I'm saying? I think Secret of the Ooze was out by that time, but, like, (laughs) so I was, like, in it, like, and but in her mind, like, that's all she sees. I'm 35 years old now. I got my own eight-year-old kid, you know, like, and her first words to me are, are, hey, Donatello, like, that's, like, and it (laughs) won't leave. Like, I'm just, like, wow, like, but I own it. I'm, like, Yep, Donatello's the man. Like, yeah. there's no better turtle. And she's like, "Does your son love turtles?" I was like, uh, "He loves them a little bit, but not as much as I would like him to." Like, I just immediately, <laughs> like, just I just accept and own it. But yeah, yeah. I think ultimately, going back to the original thing, is it's an identity issue. Mm-hmm. When family members are throwing these things at you, do can they hurt? Yes. Um, do they hurt sometimes? Ultimately, though, I believe when our identity is rooted in Christ you know that those things no longer define you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, my, yeah. that's my thought is, all right, I, I hear what you're saying, but I know those things don't define me anymore because my identity is rooted here. Mm-hmm. And because my identity is rooted here, I would like to believe the fruit of that is starting to show itself. Now, there may be some residuals of fruits of my flesh still being rooted in very much my own self, mm-hmm. uh, and some of those things may still be there and you have to be dealt with, yes. But I would like to think, though, that the fruit of my identity being rooted in Christ is yielding something different. And if you choose to focus on this side of the plant as opposed to this uh, side of the plant, which is you know, me making this this transition, or I'll say like this, which is the Holy Spirit doing a work within me to bring about this fruit, then I'm sorry, you're missing out on one of the greatest stories, you know what I'm saying, that yeah. you can even be a, po- be a part of uh, as Christ works in you and transforms you. So for me, when I think of this, my first thought is, man, this sounds like an identity thing, because if my identity is rooted in Christ, I'm going to look at what they're saying and say, okay, mm-hmm. you know, but that's not who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's just my thought. And just to tie it all the way back to where we started out with guilt and stuff, like a lot of times um, with how do we not get stuck in guilt and condemnation, if the voice is in your head or the voice is outside saying to you, well, you always, you you always do this or you're always that or this, as soon as you hear that always, I mean, you know that's not what God says about mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't always do that. Right. You know, yeah, sometimes I do. I may often do that. No, I'm just <laughs> and, and, and that's true. But but then there's also times that through the grace of God, I do good things too. Right. Hmm. You know, and there's also times that that yeah, I do that. But aren't we all humans who are flawed who do that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe not every time, and maybe for some people's greater weaknesses than others. But to say that I'm like when that voice defines us as as this is all you are, I think that's when immediately our brain should say, no, this is a lie because that's not all that I am. I'm a child of God. I am, I am uh, being shown grace by God. Mm -hmm. That is what I am. But when anything tries to define us as that, that's all we are, then then you know that that is the lie from the enemy, whether the enemy is ourselves, whether the enemy uh, is is the voice of Satan, or whether the it, the enemy is Satan using others to speak those things to yeah. us? You know. Yeah. Real quick in the message, when he brought up the fact of Paul and that Paul was the run writing, there is now f- therefore no condemnation, and Paul of all people should have the most, you know, feel probably the most condemnation because of his past and because of persecuting Christians. My verse, my mind immediately went to his thorn in the flesh, and I wondered if, you know as traveling around as an evangelist and a missionary, but people also knowing him from his former life, if perhaps that thorn in the flesh was 
his past sin being constantly brought in front of his face, being constantly brought in front of his mind. Um, even though Christ had forgiven him, even though he was a new creation, even though he had let go of that past and let go of those ways, those ways were still brought before him constantly. And I wonder if that was perhaps part of his thorn in the flesh that, you know, then God responded to him, but my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Such a great uh, place to end it. That God's grace is sufficient for us. And that's why guilt doesn't have to be the boss of us. Like, Pastor Jeff has said in the series, Jesus is our boss. We can be defined by him, his love for us. Yeah, and if if you just want to follow up on this at home, if you read Romans chapter 5, I used it for Communion Sunday when we did communion over here. And one of the things that says is, while you were powerless over sin, that's when God sent Christ to die for you. Mm -hmm. So it really is not about performance it's really not about if we define ourselves by our sin in the worst possible moment when we would think that we're absolute trash and garbage that's when god said okay here's jesus now you know not when we had it together by any means yeah yeah i sorry i know we keep saying one last thought one last thought (laughs) thought. Uh, but this is literally the one last thought i have is I think it's super important if you're listening to this and you say, oh, well, this is where I am at, you know, with guilt. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Jesus is the hope. I think, you know, sometimes we get caught up in in stuff like guilt and sin. The whole story is through one man, sin entered the world. That's what Scripture tells us. But it also tells us that also through one man, God has provided salvation. Jesus is the hope. So recognizing yes like what pastor jeff said um you know my guilt reminds me but it doesn't define me yes it reminds me that i am in i'm a sinner in need of grace and it reminds me that that hope is provided uh through christ jesus amen all right everybody hey well um that's been some awesome discussion uh love it dude thank you for so many great thoughts here guys so we're loving this series uh we hope you enjoyed listening and uh we'll see you next time so bye adios <laughs>